I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's what leaving is. I've only done that. I, there's only one live show I can remember that I've done that to, and it was the... Uh, Green Day musical. Oh man, that I would have loved to have been that with you, Tim. Um, dude, it was insane. <laughs> it was wild. Hello and welcome along to the worst idea of all time emergency season. It's <laughs> your boys, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery. Hot on the heels of both separately yet spiritually together watching Home Alone 3. Lost in the franchise. That's the subtitle of this movie. <laughs> um, Tim, before we talk about the movie, let's talk about Tim. How the bloody hell are you? I just ate a fantastic roast chicken dinner. Um, mm. The thing about going vegan for a set amount of time and then... You're going to say a set amount of Tim. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Is that it's (laughs) a good reason to do it, to go like either vegetarian or vegan for a little bit, is it resets all your expectations for meat, Uh, both taste but importantly cost as well. Because if you just eat meat the whole time, you're like, a roast chicken costs 12 bucks, and I'm outraged if it costs any more than that. But if you stop eating animals for a while, then um, having the odd chicken roast becomes a special occasion and you're willing to pay more to get those um, happy chickens that are, that are raised correctly and cost a little more. You know what I'm saying? You're telling me that the, the chicken you ate was living a full and fulfilling life. The chicken I ate was an industrious and productive member of chicken society and it had fulfilled all the hopes and dreams that a chicken could want to fulfill. It had built itself a media empire on the coop um, it had briefly veered in its uh, midlife into a right-wing blogosphere-style um, enterprise where it was actually whipping up the other chickens into a uh, sort of anti-government fever, and they were they were trying to take over the farm. Uh, they weren't successful, and interestingly, and I think this is so often the case with uh, people who hold extremist points of view, within a few short weeks that same chicken was able to turn the entire ideal, the ideology of the empire on its head and uh, became quite a strong and vehement voice of the left. And then what happened? 
then it died. Um, you got killed, and then I ate it. Fuck! What a life. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because you you never know what's around the corner, and the life of that chicken is no exception. You know, from hatching out of its little egg, into you know, begoring its first begort, and uh, scratching around on its first little nibble of chicken feed, and what I imagine was quite a sumptuous and uh, expensive grounds. Never would it have known that it would absorb and then espouse these sort of uh, deliberately misleading ideologies and then moreover i'd say it, it, would, it was even less likely at that point to realize that at some point it would it would learn the error of its ways and veer so sharply in the other direction the chicken and, became a philanthropist yeah i mean if giving your your body over to an entirely different species isn't philanthropy tim i don't know what is that's a really good way of looking at it it's not that the chicken was killed against its will, as that it sacrificed itself for me to have a really yummy meal. <laughs> for the greater good. It's put you in a good mood, and that's what we like to hear. Because I can't imagine Home Alone 3 did much for you. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. This feels unfair and lopsided. How are you doing? Oh, look, man, I'm, um, I'm doing really good. Uh, I actually also just had a delicious dinner. Not unlike yourself, uh, presently elapsed vegan, I have allowed myself to consume uh, some meats during this uh, lazy, hazy time of year. I don't have any qualifiers for it, other than the stuff tastes good. <laughs> and uh, my housemate Bella just prepared a delicious sort of tuna and rice dish. And tuna is one of the worst ones you can have. It was a little little tins of tuna. It was a, a a family recipe handed down from one generation to this generation, and um, it was just full of flavour. It had a really nice sort of acidity to it, and uh, there's a really beautiful tang in my mouth right now. It was very healthy. There were some greens involved, some uh, tomatoes, and like a, a vinaigrette with some sort of pickled red onion. All all done in the house, Fuck. and um, after that, I had a, a santi bar. Right out of the freezer, a little thin bar of delicious Whitaker's milk chocolate. And then after that, Tim, I've had about half a glass of uh, natural red wine. And I've I've smoked just the very, 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 very end of a a very thin, very finely rolled um, marijuana cigarette. And I feel incredible. This is very close to as good as it gets. It really is. Uh, It's it's been a, a really... Quite a wonderful day, and uh, the the evening's been good. The low light, undoubtedly, um, was watching Home Alone 3, and I'm aware that I am on the record as saying something entirely different uh, at a different point in time. Hmm. I would I would say this. Home Alone is an Just enjoyable movie. Just like the chicken movie. guy. Just like the chicken, you two are allowed to evolve your opinions. Thank you. Yeah. Be like the chicken. Be like the chicken. Um. Yeah, Home Alone 3 is an enjoyable movie once, I think. And I don't see any way that it can improve again. I don't <laughs> see any way that it will become fun as it was again. Uh, it, it's so. Let me ask you something, because mm-hmm. that's an interesting point. 
I've got a magic a magic potion that I think you know about that was given to me by a man that I trust. <laughs> do you do you think we should um, have the magic potion and watch Home Alone three when all all of this lockdown blows over and see if it can improve the quality of the product? I think that would be um, for a myriad of reasons, Tim. I think that would be a really wonderful <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that at that point in time we will be concluding our emergency cast and so there'll be a a real genuine sense of freedom from fucking you know pulling up to each other side by side cheek to cheek bloody you know ingesting some of this magic potion and just and i've said it online and i'll say it right now for you again just raw dogging the ever-loving shit out of a podcast just yeah a real one uncorking one straight from the bottle um, and I do think in that instance, and only in that instance, will Home Alone 3 soar uh, to those lofty heights again. Because I found this to be arduous. I found it to be really, really boring. Really yeah. excruciatingly slow and boring. And let's not forget, this is the um, technology special. So this is an episode where we really... Both made a point of zeroing in on the technology available to the characters, namely the the bad guys, and uh, discussing their merits, their feasibility, and just you know any other stray thoughts that came up. So having something like that to sort of hang your hat on as you work through the movie um, provided very light relief. But otherwise, yeah. oh, this was this was really tough work, and I, I it seems unbelievable to me, and you know. Lord forgive me for how many times I've uh, contradicted myself on such matters before, but unbelievable to me that as recently as two watches ago, I was, um, you know, singing from the Home Alone 3 is a good movie song sheet. Yeah, but you zeroed in on some points that still ring true. Mm. Um, character names, for example. John Hughes, he, he knew what he was doing. Oh, character names. I've got in big block letters here. I now pronounce you Burton Jernigan and Alice Ribbons. What's uh, Mr. Unger's first name? Because that's also quite a good one. Yeah, it is. I, ca- I can't remember. I'll, I'll get it up at some point. I would actually mm. like to say, because you did call him Mr. Unger, and mm. it's incredible until, it was really until this this, this screening that I've I've almost accepted or interpreted the idea that these villains are in some way competent like even though from the outset it's a disaster for them the very first thing they do is they hide a missile chip in a toy car (laughs) and then lose it on their way to a domestic flight yeah i never i never kind of analyzed that that's quite stark isn't it it's quite a boneheaded move like there's it yeah there's always an assumption in my mind that these guys are well put together and that's because they call each other Mr. Jernigan, uh, Miss Ribbons, and also, I think also the music. Mm. But there is there is something about it where it's like that that using of the sort of formal titles uh, really endows them with a, a sort of, I guess, the assumption of competence that is there's no reason to believe in at all. And I mean, we know at this point every time we watch it, we know that they've got another thing coming. For the last forty it's, minutes of the film, Tim, forty minutes of booby. It's tracks. a good trick. It's sort of. Reminds me of how 
this is probably still the case now, but I think it's relaxed a little bit. But in the 80s and 90s, there were just all these men going to work. Going, especially, I, I think of Wall Street, you know, all of these men who have developed a lingo and a dress code and sort of would address each other in these similar jocular terms. And they would sort of convince you that they knew something that you did not. Uh, yeah. Maybe about the stock market or the economy or their specific business, what have you. But in actual fact, I think what we've found out is no one knows anything about anything and everyone was kidding themselves. But they had sort of given themselves this visual veneer of professionalism yeah. and expertise. And I think well, that's what these villains do. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of like a, a coordinated version of power and numbers where if you have enough people around you using the same jargon, dressing to the same sensibility, sort of mimicking... Uh, the same body language, um, it sort of it does give it a, a sort of an air of competence or like a semblance of unity that then impresses the idea that they know what they're doing. But I, I would argue that these four villains, not unlike the men you've described who wear suits and talk about things going up and things going down that are immaterial, uh, they're they're a fucking hapless bunch, and. Um, you know, easily outwitted by a hyper-intelligent nine-year-old boy or eight-year-old boy. Do you reckon they're all Russian? Uh, no, but I think they have all spent some time in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe think, they will live there now. I think, well, no, they're, they're all in prison now, Tim. It's true. Um, they all get caught and also catch... The Chicken Pox, which is a neat little button they put on the movie that we haven't really talked about yet, and probably for yeah. the reason that it's not worthy. But um, should we should we dig into some of the tech? Um, oh, please. Because I, I do, I, I believe this even after three watches and, you know, starting to enjoy it less and less. There is something about the tech in this movie that screams Tim Bat. It is in many ways ahead of its time. But the sort of the leaps of what was available to them in 1997 and, you know, the idea of the future or what technology they present is really nice. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd, we should probably go through it chronologically, but I just want to talk about the one that made me, that keep getting back to me and being like, Tim would love that is Glove Cam. Yeah. It comes very early. It's like the first bit of tech in the film is that Mr. Hmm. It's Mr. Jernigan. It Mr. Mr. Jernigan, Burton Jernigan. The, they yeah, are, you of, Jer, are you Jernigan my chain? You know, there's <laughs> fun with words like that. Uh, they lose sight of the microchip and they realize that and it's in a bag uh, from with Mrs. Hess and she gets in a cab and drives away and they, they just miss her and they just miss the cab. But they've got enough time for Burton Jernigan to um, lift up his arm and produce this heretofore unseen hidden spy cam which pops out of his uh the top of his sleeve it's and then you're gone it's such a fine and i i mean fine in the sort of thin and small sense of it it's such a fine piece of technology yeah it is and 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 because this film came out in what like 98 97 i believe there were, to my knowledge, there weren't any digital cameras that kind of looked or acted like that back in the day. So it sort of has all the appearance of like a a spy micro. What are they called? Like microfiche, I think. Camera. Yeah. But it, it isn't because that is quickly complemented by a Palm Pilot, which he produces, and it wirelessly transfers the image onto there. And it's like some early version. Of, I mean, Bluetooth was around in 1998. 
but you couldn't use it to data transfer an image. Yeah, an image rendered in crunchy 1080, yeah. you know, K on this uh, color Palm Pilot. Um, they use they really take a lot of liberties with the use of wireless technology, like the volume of technology that relies on Bluetooth. I, I guess Bluetooth was the only operating system they had at the time. Well. Yeah, I mean, there's like, yeah, there's all kinds of wireless, you know, transfer protocols. So they, this, but it's it's fine. You know, it's a movie. You can just make up your own one. It's all good. Can I say though, and I don't want to jump the gun too much, but there are more laptops in this movie than a Neil Breen film. <laughs> there are so many fucking laptops everywhere. Like Alex's house, a lousy with laptops. There <laughs> is about four different laptops in that house that you see. The baddies have. And I, what I love the most is that they're not uh, all Apple products or like all Windows. They're yeah. totally agnostic. They're all over the shop. I like. Do you can you imagine a world where they sort of had hedged on uh, bleeding some funding out of various different tech companies and so shot a variety of different options, whereby they're like, <laughs> if, if if we go with Compaq, we've got these great Compaq shots. If we go with yeah. uh, Macintosh, we've got these great Macintosh shots. And then none of the tech companies nibbled. And so they were just left with sort of all these different shots with all these different computers. <laughs> and they said, well, well, fuck it. Then we'll they use got them to all. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. If you, there's a lot of movies from around that time. Um, Sony fucks with product placement in such a dramatic way. It is crazy. If you watch any of the early uh, Spider-Man movies or um, Resident Evil or I think weirdly even James Bond movies. I can't remember what Sony pitches involvement is with the Bond franchise, but it's like Sony via laptops everywhere. Everyone's got a fucking uh, Sony lap- Sony phones. Uh, Sandler's, Sony the, 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 the Happy Madison films were lousy with Sony as well. Sony um, was slinging their shit around, man. I reckon they were paying top Hollywood well, dollar to get their stuff in there. Do you know, as a boy growing up, I sort of looked at Sony as the prestige tech company. Like, I would I would associate their brand with the highest-end products in terms of... Do you not now? No, absolutely not. They've dropped off a cliff. I have uh, no use or time for Sony products. I still really... I, I, in my head, they're still... They're that childhood prestige brand that you held close to your heart. I feel like you'd have more information on this than I do. I thought that at some point they they dropped the ball. I felt like they were sort of near the forefront of cell phones for a while, and then they got their blindsided. phones are fucking great. They, are they, they still make great. They make all of the cameras for everyone. They make Apple's cameras. Um, those little modules that Sony makes, man, they're everywhere. Sony's the shit. Hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> Sony rules. <laughs> they got PlayStation. You know, they got they got the best stuff. Yeah, they they do have the good stuff. Um, well, they, I you go the baddies. The baddies use a particular power book, um, a Macintosh power book, fifty three hundred C, which was absolutely reviled back in the day. It was a notorious bit of tech. This is in the I'm pretty sure because the laptop came out in like ninety five, I think, and it was the bit of Apple's um, life where Steve Jobs wasn't there. So there was so Steve Jobs started Apple and then he went fucking nuts and the board well he was always nuts the board fired him and the whole company almost bankrupted itself and then 
he came back on board because he started his He's... own competing computer company and then Apple bought them out and the board brought him back on as CA and he I... pulled out the iPod and saved everything. Yeah, he was obviously a visionary, but I hate that he was right and that they did need him because by all accounts, <laughs> the guy was such a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, he's a baddie. Yeah. And we can speak ill of the dead on this podcast, right? For some reason. You can certainly speak ill of, you know... Various different members of the dead. And the guy, I read that Walter Isaacson biography. The guy, by all accounts, was an absolute visionary and a total social monster. Who, like, you know, like so many of those people, the reason that he was such a high achiever is because he lacked, you know, the understanding of basic social grace or etiquette or decency. Um, They get in the way of those things. Worrying about other people occupies valuable mental real estate where you could be thinking of the next fucking single button clicky music player that'll fit in your pocket. How long has he been dead for? And how many new Apple products have rolled out since then? How how big was this guy's succession plan? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Tim Cook's doing okay, but I tell you what, it can't last forever. You can't just make the the MacBook a millimetre thinner each year and think that that's going to keep your stock price up. You've got to make something new at some point. (laughs) My God. So this particular PowerBook that they brought out, the 5300, it got um, a lot of hoopla and the the company really bet the house on it. It's supposed to be a real kind of standard bearer for where the whole company was going, but... Um, there were a couple battery fires that happened quite early on. This was like the original Samsung, Samsung Galaxy, was it uh, 8, I think, Note, Note mm. 8, um, that exploded. So, the yeah, the 5300 was one of the first um, uh, high-profile exploding consumer computers. bits of electronics <laughs> that caused some big fires. It started a house fire at one of the employees' houses who was, like, testing a unit. So they had to swap out the... Um, Actually, Sony made the battery that caught on fire, but it was a lithium-ion battery, and then I think they needed to swap it out for nickel metal height. Fucking Sony, man. I'm telling you. They've been dropping the ball since the late 90s. (laughs) Well, and then the battery suffered because they weren't as good as the original flaming battery. Um, (laughs) Plus, the computers were kind of dog shit. They had a lot of issues. Well, I'll tell you one thing that they could do is uh, they could pick up on and reroute outgoing calls from houses within a two-mile vicinity, which is exactly the application. Do you think this was a thing? It's in a lot of TV shows and movies. Was this a thing that you could do? No. Uh, (laughs) I don't. But again, I don't know anything. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you about all the tech, because like so much of what happens in this movie, I'm like, I understand this is a silly movie, and it's got really cartoonish elements. But I think for how seriously they present the villains, and then just the leaps of assumption they make that we will accept the technology they're using. I guess in 97, you're looking at it, and you're like, wow, that's a really cool... Imagine if we had that. That's a really cool futuristic piece. This is something that always shits me, actually, is a lot of the equipment they're using is like top-end spy gear. And when you're a kid, you get given these great spy kits with like magnifying glasses and, you know, if you're lucky, a telescope, you'll be able to dust for fingerprints and stuff. And you're really encouraged to get into spying. And then, I don't know when it is, it's usually around the same time you hit puberty. Uh, But immediately spying becomes something that is very dirty and creepy (laughs) and untoward. And there's just this huge incongruence between like, you know, encouraging you to get into it and then all of society taking it away from you and saying, how the fuck could you ever have gotten into this? It's it's bad news. <laughs> You've raised a very educated pest. 
who has yeah. this amazing toolkit knows how to use it. Exactly. And now you're saying not to apply that to my newfound hormones? I mean, come on, one <laughs> yeah. or the other. You've got to pick a path for me here, society. Undoubtedly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during uh there was a pandemic i don't know if you remember and the benefits were immediate and long lasting they help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations honestly it's changed my life for the better i guess that's why they call it better help get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10 percent off your first month that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. But yeah, I think because um, the, 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 when they use the Macintosh PowerBook is uh, not long after they've analyzed on a, t- a totally different laptop, they've mm. analyzed like a very, they've analyzed the neighborhood using a sort of very early sort of burglary version of Google Maps where they have a vector view of the entire neighborhood and like very primitive, basic, blueprint architectural outlines of the way all of the houses fall um which again i i think that's i mean i know that these guys are crooks and you know they've probably got the best of the best to to do their dirty dealings but i just i just thought that was totally bullshit <laughs> i think though interestingly that one is on a thinkpad which is fucking cool because those things have come back in a big way so i'm pretty sure back when this movie came out um th- thinkpads were created by uh, compact i'm pretty sure and they were like people who fuck with computers in a big way love ThinkPads because the design hasn't a lot of aspects of the design has not changed in 20 years mm. so they've got these big chunky tactile mechanical keyboards and the little red nipple in the middle of the uh i love the keyboard i that love you... that little red nipple yeah they're, they're still around. I remember Lenovo that, makes the, them now. The first laptop I remember uh, seeing my dad use had a little green nipple, and I would like yeah. use it to move the mouse around, and I thought, holy shit. And then I'd start using it to play Minesweeper. And then I played so much Minesweeper that when I'd go to bed and shut my eyes, I'd just see visions of different Minesweepers. 
Did you get Minesweeper eventually? I never like understood how. Yeah, to I do totally it. got. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally, I totally got it. I used to play um, like obsessively. Wow. And I really identified with the the lead character and the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Who I thought you were going to say I really identified with the lead character in Minesweeper, the guy oh. sweeping the minefield. I I really did actually because as he would die, so too would I. And when he would put on sunglasses, I would also put on sunglasses. <laughs> Quite the same, you and he. But yeah. sorry, did you massively personally identify with the? I think it's revealed to be an autist, autistic lead character of that book. Oh, that, certainly the the, the minesweeper playing element. I I did. Um, I can't remember if I told you this or discussed it on the podcast, but. When Chelsea came and visited in America last year, it was in the summer, and we went uh, to the Hackmatack Playhouse in rural Maine to watch a sort of summer repertory theatre company's production of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And we were in a large-scale barn that said about 250 elderly country folk to watch um, like a really funny... Not actually, you know, how bad something needs to be to be enjoyable in the moment is uh, really challenging. It opened very strong in terms of we are in for a rollicking bad ride here, which is when like the the actor was doing some very heavy and deliberate sobs that were obviously meant to, I think, denote, you know, some sort of um, social difference in the character's disposition. And it was like, oh, wow, this could be really good. Uh, But then they sort of pulled it together. There was one guy in the cast who was a member of the sort of ensemble who would have been 80 years if he was a day. And it was really hot in there. And at one point when he was standing to the side, he was sort of like staring into the middle distance and then started really staring into the middle distance (laughs) until it was like, there was 15 to 20 seconds where you could literally see the cogs turning in his brain while he thought about... I don't know what was left in the fridge for dinner that night. And then you watched him <laughs> catch himself and bring himself back to the room. He was probably about to faint, poor old bugger. I would have been surprised. It was too hot in there. We actually left at half time. Wow. But I didn't return. No, that's what leaving is. To a beloved text. I've only done that. I, there's only one live show I can remember that I've done that to. And it was the uh, Green Day musical. Oh, oh man, that that sucked something <laughs> unique and specific. I would have loved to have been that with you, Tim. Um, Dude, it was insane. <laughs> it was wild. It was the craziest shit I've ever seen. It was so poorly thought out. Like, fuck, man. It was the most juvenile thing I've ever seen. On a stage, and I couldn't believe musicals cost so much money that I couldn't believe it got to the point of them putting it up. In it New would Zealand? have lasted like, yeah, in Auckland at the Civic. Someone lost a tremendous <laughs> amount of money on this production. <laughs> Fuck, it was bad. God oh. damn it. You absolutely um, love to hear the it. The x ray machine in the airport, that looked pretty high def, eh? At the start of the movie. Yeah, it really was. And I'll tell you who else was uh, revealed in crunchy high high definition was the security officer operating it who uh, was totally doing an impression of the man I just described in their performance of just stare. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was an actor's decision or not, but they were very much sort of absentmindedly just staring at the screen. And yeah. actually, that totally makes sense because he let a missile 
disguising chip yeah. slip through like in the very rudimentary cloak that is a remote control car also can we talk about how when they get into the car after they've picked up this chip and there's like so prominently displayed in the middle of shot almost taking up the same amount of space in the frame as the two humans who are acting in it the box for this remote control car and the car itself and it's like just screaming at you pretty much in subtitles they are going to put the missile chip in the car yeah but they still decide to have the line of dialogue put the missile chip in the car and it there is it gets me every like, time in a lot of ways home alone 3 is just a toy commercial that is 90 minutes long for that specific remote controlled car oh you're telling me man the capabilities of that car as as displayed by alex are literally even in 2020 unbelievable it has the range, the power, the battery life, the responsiveness of the hauling ability as well. Like they put a not small home video camera on it, and it doesn't it doesn't uh, slow it down whatsoever. It doesn't blink. Um, that whole situation that Alex rigs up there, I I always find confusing. He unplugs like the TV antenna plugs it like how does the camera have wireless capabilities that connect to the tv he unplugs this is the stupid thing they've gone to some details on this which are good and then they've missed a big thing which makes the whole plot stupid so what alex has done he's got two wireless systems happening one controls the car and one is beaming back the video signal from the camera to the tv that he can watch right but the stupid thing is is that he's only recording the video on the camera itself but he's got the picture on the TV. So if he just chucked a video in the VCR and connected that to the TV, boom, he's got the tape recorded there. Because the big plot point in this is that the crooks steal the little video cassette out yeah. of the camcorder and then he's got no evidence. But if he just had a fucking recorded what was happening on the TV, which was the same video being broadcast back to him, he would have been fine. He would have been sweet ass. Take that to the cops. Yeah, give that little fucker what for. He thinks he's so smart. I actually really like him. And... uh I don't like the situation he's repeatedly putting himself in, but I do. Yeah, people wave guns at him, and he's eight. Yeah, I do. I do like him, and I actually that does bring me. Um... I looked into some details about that car. Well, specifically because uh, it's operating on twenty-seven megahertz, which you see for two frames when he lifts the controller up to the screen. It says on the back of it twenty-seven hertz. So I looked it up. That is a frequency that the FCC has reserved for uh, remote-controlled toys in the States. But it's only got a range of about 150 feet, which in metres is what? Like 40? 40 (laughs) metres? Yeah. And it showcases, you know, 800 to to 1,000 metre range. Yeah, it looks like close to a mile that he's driving that thing around. And look, I know it's a movie. I was, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole because I was so bored watching the movie. I, I did this while the movie was on, which was naughty of me, but I felt like it was related, so it was okay. There are ways to like illegally modify those remote control cars to beef up the amplification on the, the radio controls so you can get more range out of them, but they're not exactly street legal, Monty. Well, I, I would have liked to see a scene where Alex is tampering with it just to really emphasize that that is yeah. why the car has these capabilities. Um. It is ridiculous. I, I guess it's uh, you know it's an outcome of what we're doing to the film, but how frustrated I have become by the power of that car. 
Um, <laughs> well, they put it so front and center. You're right. If there was like a little scene of Alex with a soldering iron, that would be fucking cool. It's one shot. It would take like 20, you know, it'd take two seconds on screen to show us. We know exactly what he's capable of as well. When he's uh, booby trapping the house, the power tools, the vision, and like the liberties he is taking on the family home are phenomenal. Also, we're to believe he's, that he achieves all of this by himself in about yeah. an eight-hour period. In addition to being like an electrical genius, he also briefly becomes a carpenter of pretty good talent. Yeah. And then a strong man, briefly, because he has to lift this bookcase laden with all these books up on this ramp on the roof. It's incredible There's stuff. some holes, Monty. Yeah, big holes. Big old holes. Big enough for a villain to drop through. Um, namely on the deck. I did want to say before we started talking about the car again that uh, talking about Alex has brought me to my shining light and it's a really wonderful little uh, moment of Foley action. Um, it's when Alex is sort of thinking aloud to himself after they have taken the the car and that they've sort of, I, even after they've got the tape, they're obsessed with the car and they follow it back and he's going, they really want the car. You know, there's something must be something inside the car. The question is, what is it? And he's sitting up on his bed and he, he sort of puts his hands behind <laughs> his head and he leans yeah. back and he drops onto the bed in a way that is very satisfying to see and very satisfying yeah. to do. And the noise that he makes when he sort of his head lands on the pillow and his body lands on a combination of pillow and mattress, it's this very sort of soft, comforting, uh, very gentle thud that has really positive and warm connotations. And it actually makes it feel like you're sort of just lying down for a think on, on your own bed. And um, it's incredible to listen to. And I imagine it was a lot of fun to do. I imagine that... <laughs> there is something really nice about that shot because he's cross-legged. Yeah. And then he puts his hands behind his head and he's like, I'm having a think. Yeah. I know that they're after this car, but surely they can afford their own car and they don't have enough time to play with it properly. Why do they want it so bad? And he flops back and it's just like something funny about seeing an eight-year-old doing such an adult thinking pose. Absolutely. There's so much to love about that scene. And I think the the rug that ties it all together is the Foley artist's performance. On I imagine like maybe very gently punching a pillow or, or dropping something <laughs> that is the weight of an eight-year-old boy into a pillow. <laughs> What? Okay, take me there. I'm the recording engineer. What? How am I replicating that sound? Like a watermelon onto um, a yeah, onto a, one of those pillows th- they used to sell on infomercials. I, yeah, I think they probably had up to three pillows on site. One of them would have been a down sort of goose down pillow, maybe yeah. on top of a down duvet, and another one would have been like a posturepedic like memory foam pillow. Yeah, and then probably a more sort of synthetic as a safety net, uh, like one of those, you know, cheaper sort of um, more throw pillows that you'd have on the couch or whatever. Yeah. And I think you'd find they probably started with a bowling ball and they would have had a bit of bounce back on that cheaper pillow. And then it would have been too heavy. The sound would have been traveling through the pillow instead of sort of stopping on it. And so probably... I think a bowling... A bowling ball is too dense. You yeah. want to say, I'm thinking like a bag of rice, like a 5kg bag of rice. Yeah, but then, right. then we're suddenly asking the questions whether or not, you know, this boy's got rice on his head. Why is there yeah. Why is there multiple sounds when it's one head you'd, hitting the pillow? I think a watermelon is to, on the money. 
A watermelon could be it. You'd have to sort of tape up the rice bag. When I just think a rice, a bag, a five kg bag of rice sort of replicates the weight distribution of I a tell kid. You, one thing but you you'd have do, to sort of put masking tape on it so uh, you don't hear the rice coming through like a maraca. One thing you're going to want to do if you've got a five kg uh, bag of rice, Tim, is you're going to want to come over to this house here and you want to give, you know, about a pot's worth of that to Bella and just watch her make absolute magic in the kitchen because this dish was yeah. a packed a punch flavor-wise. And it's incredible to think that rice, you know, uh, in, in many cases, you know, the pastor of the rice world uh, is capable of, of what it was this evening. What spices did she put in there? Did you cop a load of any of that? Literally couldn't Psst. tell you. What color was it? The rice. The dish. Yeah. The rice was white, but the, 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 the colors on the table were vibrant. There were some greens grown in our very own veggie garden in a little planter box. Uh, the tomatoes, obviously, are very sort of vivacious. I want to say curvy sort of red. Um, the broccoli. You want a fucking tomato. I get it. We've been locked uh, indoors for, for a while now. I don't want to. Mind fuck, evolves. I don't want to fuck a tomato, Tim. But You need I, to fuck a tomato. Yeah, I do. I do need to fuck a tomato. And speaking of getting fucked, I have reason to believe that Mrs. H, Mrs. Hess herself, the greatest horn dog in the history of cinema, and mm. the uh, cab driver were up to no good on route from the airport back to the house. I think some sort of chemistry was uh, sizzling through the air. And on the way back, you know, not unlike some of these, um, you know, really reprehensible sort of. Um, fake pornographic videos I've come across where there's a cab driver and some customer and, you know, there's some miscommunication which actually leads to a, a moment's connection and all of a sudden they are just absolutely fucking each other's brains out back there in the cab. Uh, I've reason to believe something not dissimilar to that happened between the two of them, which is why when he is uh, questioned by mm -hmm. the crooks who have located his cab thanks to the hashtag glove cam, uh, he's immediately a little bit sheepish, he's a little bit nervous, he's a bit coy, and then when he realizes they're only asking for the details as to where he <laughs> dropped her off, he sort of relaxes and folds and just volunteers all of this highly confidential information without being put under the least amount of pressure. That cab driver fascinates me so much. I can understand why Mrs. Hess would want to fuck his brains out because he's dishy as hell. Oh. And he's got a very sharp mind on him, obviously, because when he is pressed to give the location of a fair that he did earlier that day, he recalls instantly with near photographic detail what the house was that he dropped off some random fair to. It and also a little note on that exchange. Did you happen to notice what time? 420 it happened yeah boy yeah fucking i got no doubt that this guy's burning one down for jar after absolutely reaming one of his clients on the way back from uh o'hare airport to the sort of upper middle class suburbs of chicago and for the train spotters of you you would have noticed towards the tail end of home line three it is the very same cab driver who is dropping off alex's father after he returns from his I've got to imagine, incredibly unsuccessful business trip to Cleveland to try and describe a product to his boss that he couldn't even do on the phone. Not Did he ever get there? I thought he waited at the airport and it got his flight kept getting delayed by the snow and then he just drove well, back home. Anyway, you slice it, the guy's out of a job and the cab driver on the way back has a very mischievous glint in his eye as he thinks to himself, well, I know that I'm dropping this guy off just over the road from an old flame you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to go and knock on the door and just slip in See, there. 
See if there's a pie on the windowsill yeah. for old Absolutely. Dr. Bosconovich. See if I can't That's find myself niche. a vivacious tomato pie that I can just plunge my dick into. Was that the original American pie? Was it <laughs> tomato pie? It's not even a thing. Hey, did you play um, Tekken 3 back in the day? You put a tomato in a quiche. A quiche is like an egg pie. And sometimes. Yep. Do you remember Dr. B? Sort of a mad scientist type character who probably yeah. looks uh in passing quite similar to our famous horned up cab driver. cab driver yeah that's what that's what was racing through my mind when i was watching home alone 3 today i was like man i don't know if this is because monty called this episode the tech special so i'm looking for tech connections but that guy looks like dr bosconovich from tekken from the iron fist tournament Fuck. the um engineer who i'm pretty sure perfected yoshimitsu's armor and brought, uh, I think, what's her name? Alicia into the world. I used to, a robot that he modeled on his own daughter who died. Mm. So many examples of that in, in Japanese uh, anime and art. Yeah. Astro um, Boy. Always fucking scientists losing kids. <laughs> Maybe if you paid more attention to your kids, you wouldn't keep having to lose them and then building an android in their image, you know? And isn't that a lesson Just for us all? Home Alone. Uh, which probably at this point in the franchise should be called occasionally home alone um, glimpses of bachelor life. Uh, franchise could learn something from this lesson you're saying, which is less time on the on the work and more time on the family. Actually, I, w- I will champion um, Alex's mum for this one. She fucking lays into one of her colleagues, Mary Lou when her boss is leaning on her really hard to come into work and balance her home life and work life a little bit better, he uses the example of someone at her office called Mary Lou. And uh, she's not afraid to just dismiss that in his argument and saying, Mary Lou's got no life. Uh, And that is, you know, on a work call to her boss. You can only imagine the sort of underhanded shit she would be smearing against the wall when discussing, you know, Mary Lou in private. Um, she deals with that whole exchange so beautifully, I think. Graceful. Because she, she says, she sort of says, look, this is the situation. I've got a sick kid at home. You fuck. I'm doing what I can. And then I'm paraphrasing slightly. And he says, "You got the client is expecting you. you got to get in here. And she says, I will come for one hour. If Alex buzzes me once, I'm leaving immediately. And by the way, while we're here... I want to let you know that you are making me choose between making a deposit, uh, making a payment on my mortgage and looking after my sick kid, and I do not appreciate it. Fuck. And that that speech alone and the p- performance of it by Haviland Williams is sort of what qualifies this film as one of the preeminent late 90s sort of second wave feminist texts. Uh, <laughs> Tim, we're running out of time, so before we wrap up, it's important to get any other stray thoughts you had about the technology and also, of course, your shining light. Um, I had written down a couple of things like sensational battery life on that uh, RC car, but I think we've we've uh, talked yeah. about that. I do want to mention that that PowerBook 5300 is the same model of laptop used to deploy the virus in Independence Day by Jeff Goldblum to the mothership. Wow. Mm. A very terrible laptop that had a very storied career in film, weirdly. Um, shining light, I would just like to say, and we'll probably talk about this in future episodes, Holy shit, is Alex's dad hot? He is like the most fucking handsome man I have ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. That guy is like designed in a laboratory, all American hunk. Yeah, it is wild. The guy is an absolute smoke show, and you got to imagine it would be disappointing to him to uh, have to look at that oldest son of his. I know. I, where did those jeans come from, man? Because the mum's very dishy too. Yeah, but there's something going on with that kid. Obviously, early adolescence is a challenging age, even for the best of us. But <laughs> Yeah, but they made Scarlett Johansson, so maybe all the good genes went to her. Yeah. That's how it works, right? And Alex has potential. He's a cute kid. I actually looked up pictures of the actor recently. and um, He looks very different. Yeah, he just looks like a sort of normal guy. Whenever those child stars have facial hair... Uh, you know, it's always sort of confusing. I actually saw a photo of Jonathan Lipnicki, who was the very cute kid from Jerry Maguire, uh, when he was attending a movie premiere in what would have been his mid-teen years, or maybe slightly before. And the guy was dripping in ice. Um, really, really good stuff. I'll see if I can dig up those pictures for you, Tim. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, speaking of things that looked hot, just to tie the tech theme back in. Uh, this is another shining light of mine. I have to say, the chip itself that everyone's hunting down looks fucking cool. Yeah. It's a good booty, like, system-on-a-chip bit of silicon wafer, and it is, they've done a good job there. Absolutely. It's desirable. And here's to you, Burton Jernigan. Catching kids is really hard to do. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. I'll help you, please, Burton Jernigan. Let's make that boy Alex go away. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, That's it from us. Really enjoyable episode, considering how much I hated the movie. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, Tim, I'm going to go and bake myself a tomato pie and uh, just force myself upon it while I think about Mrs. Hess. I hope you have a wonderful evening. And uh, thanks. I'm going to so have my wicked in. way with myself while thinking about Alex's dad. So don't you worry. Tim's getting his. I'm not worried. And now I'm even more relaxed. Um, well, maybe we'll stop the record, but we'll, we'll keep going face to face on the cameras here because I know for one, that is something I would really like to see. Hope you're all looking after yourselves. See you soon. want to fuck mrs hess my bro oh no no too wild for my taste planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.